How might you define peace? What is peace? For many, it would be the absence of war. For others, it might be described as an inward feeling that everything's okay. Still others might define peace as a formal agreement to end dissension or hostility. Well, this morning in our passage from God's Word, I think we see a clear picture of what true biblical peace is and why that is reason for us as believers this morning to celebrate together, especially during this time of year, the time that we hear about and read about and sing about and talk about the peace of God more than any other time of year. I want to invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. As we continue our Advent message series in which we celebrate and focus on the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of the Son of God on this earth. Matthew and Luke are uh, the most common Christmas stories told. And they recount the details of the Christmas story unfolding. And John takes a different approach to the Christmas story. John chapter 1, what we've been covering the last couple weeks and what we'll finish next Sunday is a different look at the Christmas stories. In fact, he doesn't include all the, the Christmas details that the other gospel writers do. He doesn't talk about the angel appearing to Mary. He doesn't talk about the tension between Joseph and Mary as Joseph found out that his betrothed was pregnant. John doesn't tell us about the, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus had issued a decree that a census needed to be taken. He doesn't tell us about the shepherds in the, in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. It doesn't tell us about the Magi coming from the east. But by not telling us about those particular details and events of the stories, John was not communicating that those are unimportant. Rather, he was taking a different approach, stepping back, wanting his readers, wanting us to see the big picture, so to speak, of why those details are important, of what was taking place. The big picture of what God was doing. So look with me now at John chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, as we continue in John's account of the Christmas story. John chapter 1, verse 10. He, talking about Christ, this is the light of the world, the true light that was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I want us to stop there for just a few moments and pause. Because if we skim right through those couple verses, the first half of our passage for this morning, then then we'll fail to do justice to the second part of the passage for today. And unfortunately, many people today want to to skim over 
those verses and the truths that they convey because they convey something that is at least slightly uncomfortable. Namely that the world has turned its back on God. That we have turned our back on our maker and the implications of those truths. But the reality based on this passage and others is that's indeed what we've done. We have turned our back on our maker. The world has turned its back on its maker. And if we read through that quickly, if we skimmed over that, if we glossed over that, then that may not seem like a very big deal. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Big deal, right? A man was rejected. He, he wasn't recognized for who he is. That sort of thing happens all the time, does it not? Some of you who watch the news very closely remember back in April when actress Reese Witherspoon's husband was pulled over by a trooper outside of Atlanta for drunk driving late one night. Reese, a little under the influence herself, disobeyed the the police orders and stepped out of the vehicle in a move that landed her in handcuffs and ultimately in jail for the night. When the trooper began to handcuff her, Reese said, Do you know my name? The trooper answered, No, I don't need to know your name. And according to the arrest report, she replied, You're about to find out who I am. Because she is a famous actress, Reese Reese thought that she deserved some sort of special treatment because of who she was that night. Regardless of whether or not you think she or any other famous person deserves any special treatment in this world, a person's position or a person's status before others often does influence the way other people treat them. And the one here that we read about in John chapter 1 that was rejected is the one who has ultimate authority. He is the one who is in the position of supreme authority. He is the one who was with God in the beginning, verse 1. He is the one who, who is God. He is the one that is the true light of the world. He is the one, verses 3 and verse 10, who made the world. And yet this is the one that the world rejects. This is the Jesus, the Son of God, that the world has turned its back on. The world does not recognize this Jesus. The world does not recognize Jesus. The one who, who, who created everything. The one who has been with the Father in heaven from eternity past. The one who holds all authority. The one who deserves all worship is the very same one that the world does not recognize. That begs the question from us, Why? How can people, how can the world, how can we be so blind as to not recognize our maker when he shows up among us? I think there's two fundamental reasons 
for that. Our pride and His humility. Our pride and His humility. Because the reality is, every, every human being to ever live is filled with pride at the core. And it's not easy, it's not natural for any of us to recognize someone as greater than ourselves. And although the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, is is worthy of complete and total worship from all, from everything, He came to us as a humble child, born into a humble family. In Matthew chapter 13, we read, that Jesus coming to his hometown began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary and aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The reality is, is not only has the world rejected and failed to recognize its master, but the world does not believe Jesus either. The world does not believe Jesus. Look back at verse 11. He came to that which was his own. In other words, the world that he created. He came to earth. Something that he already possessed. Something he had the right to possess. But his own did not receive him. In other words, his own people the ones that He had called, the ones that He had chosen and set apart for Himself, the nation that He had called to be a light to all other nations, to follow after Him, to be His people, and He would be their God, and the one that would point others to the truth of that God. Those are the people that had failed to believe in Him. God had called and the nation of Israel, the seed of Abraham, to be set apart, to be a distinct people, a people that would live in communion with Him and prepare the rest of the world to receive the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God coming into the world. And those were the same ones that failed to receive Him when He showed up on the scene at the beginning of the New Testament. And it would appear at this point in the story that That God's plan was not working. That the plan that he seemed to set out to accomplish and fulfill with the hopes of the obedience of his people was not working. Because these people had failed to recognize him and failed to receive him. But the truth is that those things did not catch God off guard. He knew how people would respond to him. And he knew that their rejection of him was was caused by a deeper problem. 
a much deeper problem, the problem of sin in us, that their lack of belief in Him, their lack of belief that He was who He says He is and what the Bible te- who, he, who the Bible teaches that He is, was an overflow of the sin problem of their heart. Unless we think that that's only a problem at that point in history, that it's only a historical description of something that took place at the first Christmas in the years that followed. Let's take a look around today. Survey the landscape of the world today and the very same things are happening. The world is rejecting its maker. People are not recognizing the one whose very birth was the beginning of Christmas. People no longer believe or never did believe, generally speaking, that Jesus is who the scriptures say that he is, that he is who he claimed to be. And the result is that the world is at odds with its creator, headed for a deserved judgment because of its sin and rejection against the holy God. And thankfully, that's not the end of the story. The story doesn't end after verse 11. Nor does our passage for this morning. If it did, that would be like the parable of the prodigal son ending when the son left and squandered his wealth. Or like the movie Christmas Vacation ending with the Christmas lights not working. Or like the 2013 football season for the Arkansas Razorbacks being the end of their football experience. All of those would be terrible, horrible endings. And it would be horrible if if God's story of redemption ended with no one believing in the one that was sent to save the world from its sins. And thankfully, it doesn't end that way. It ends with God calling and preserving a remnant, ensuring that just like He did with Israel in the Old Testament, a remnant, a faithful remnant would continue and and believe in Him, believe that that he is, he is who he says that he is. After all, Scripture tells us in John chapter 3 that God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. God has ensured that there would be a, a people under the direction of his lead and his spirit who would respond to Jesus by recognizing that he is their maker and that he is the one who deserves all praise and adoration and obedience. So look back at John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born 
of God. The believing remnant receives peace from and with God. The believing remnant receives peace from God and with God. There's a hint here in verses 12 and 13, even at this point of the story, with no other details, that, that God was going to ensure that a people would respond to him in faith. And those that did would be distinct from the rest of the world, would be different from the rest of the world because they would receive peace from and with their maker. They would recognize and respond to Jesus for who he is, who he claimed to be and who the scriptures teach that he is. And as a result, they would experience true peace with God because they would be the ones that Believed in his name, verse 12. In other words, believed in his character and who he was and in his person who responded to him in truth. And they and only they would experience true peace with God. Men and women, boys and girls, apart from trusting in Jesus There is no true peace. Because all people, all the world has fallen short of the perfect standard of God. None of us have been perfectly obedient to a perfect God. For all have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. But God reconciled the world to himself. Through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18. What was broken, God planned to restore through the coming, the sinless living, and ultimately the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on our behalf. Those who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 13. But only those who recognize and receive in faith that Jesus. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. John chapter 14 verse 6. Yet to all who receive him. To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John chapter 1, verse 12. Because Jesus came on a rescuing mission to save people who were lost in sin, believers in Jesus are adopted into the family of God. Believers in Jesus are adopted into the family of God. They become children of God. Meaning that others that don't receive Him, that don't call on His name, that don't believe in His name, are not children of God. You cannot become something that you already are. 
those who, res- who respond in faith by believing, by receiving, by accepting the gift of Jesus Christ become the true covenant people of God. People that have been changed, that receive a new status, that are no longer regarded as estranged from the Creator. Rather, they are called in Scripture children of God. And not only are they adopted into the family of God, but believers in Jesus experience regeneration as children of God. Regeneration as children of God. Look back at verse 13. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Notice the contrast. Notice the distinction. Not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. This regeneration is a rebirth. It's what we sang about earlier. Those who receive a second birth. A spiritual birth. This is the same rebirth that Jesus described to a Jewish religious teacher. A Pharisee named Nicodemus who was trusting in his goodness and his own observance of the law to be right with God. Jesus told him in John chapter 3 verse 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So those that respond to Jesus in faith, recognizing that he is indeed the eternal son of God, that he is the sacrifice that is able to to mend the broken relationship between those that have rejected their creator and their perfect creator, those that do so are reborn transformed, experience a rearrangement of priorities and values and motives and thoughts and ultimately living because they have experienced regeneration through Jesus Christ. And this is something that cannot be achieved according to this book, according to the Bible, any other way. The Bible does not teach a a universal restoration or a universal salvation, but salvation only through Christ. This is not something that we can earn or achieve on our own. There's nothing that we can do to overcome the broken relationship that we have with our perfect maker. However, we can respond to the grace of God that has been extended to us through Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what biblical faith is. It is responding to what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. D.A. Carson was exactly right when he said, New birth is nothing other than an act of God. It is God who transforms us. Because God is the author of life. God is the giver of life. God is the giver of true peace through Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. Christ himself is our peace.
peace. Church, despite the world's rejection of God, He gives us true peace by trusting in Christ. Despite the world's rejection of God, He gives peace to those who trust in Christ. And there's no greater gift that has ever been given at Christmas, nor is there any greater or equal gift that will ever be given at Christmas than the gift of a restored relationship with our Maker, of peace with the Almighty God that comes by responding to the grace of God has been given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Don't let Christmas 2013 pass by without having received that gift. God, in His grace, offers forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration, hope, peace, joy through the coming of Jesus Christ. Will you be counted with those who reject that Christ or receive that Christ? Will you be a statistic of John chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, or John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13? As we draw this message to a close, I want to leave you with two takeaways from the biblical truths that are communicated here in John chapter 1. First, pray fervently for eyes to be opened to Jesus this Christmas. Because the world naturally rejects its maker, pray fervently for eyes to be opened to Jesus this Christmas. The Bible teaches that apart from God's guidance, apart from the Spirit leading, none of us would respond to to Christ in faith. So let's pray that the Spirit would move this Christmas, Christmas 2013, for the first time, there would be people that, lots of people that experience the true peace of Christ. The second takeaway, receive the peace of Christ By trusting in Christ. Receive the peace of Christ by trusting in Christ this Christmas. If you've never trusted in that one, the one whose coming was foretold long ago, the one who who came to us as God in the flesh in order to live a humble life among us, Ultimately, to lay down his life for us so that we could experience the eternal peace of God. If you've never trusted in that one, then do so today. Call out to God in your sin, acknowledging that that he is a perfect creator. And that you've fallen short of his perfect standard. Simply by the way that you've lived, the things that you've thought, the things that you've done. You have fallen short. We've fallen short. Acknowledge your sinfulness before a sinless God. Receiving His gift of true peace through faith faith in Jesus Christ. Receive the true gift of life, of forgiveness, of salvation, of restoration, and of peace with God this Christmas. Despite the world's rejection of God, He gives peace 
to those who trust in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the peace that you extend to us through through doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, for overcoming the chasm between us and you. Lord, help us to be grateful for that that truth, Lord, the true message of Christmas, the message of you coming to us to lay down your life for us so that we could experience eternal satisfaction and eternal life in you. Lord, I pray that you would lead us this Christmas season to, to respond to that biblical truth in faith. Lord, and that you would lead us to to make every effort, doing our part so that others might respond to that message in faith. Lord, we, we lift up this church. We lift up this community. Lord, we lift up this city, this state, this country. We lift up the world this Christmas that, that people's eyes might be open to the truth of salvation in Christ, of peace in Christ in a way that they haven't been before. Lord, may you lead us as we continue to desire to glorify you, to worship you, to exalt the name of Christ. And may we be obedient as we participate in your worship. In Jesus' name, amen.